Welcome to Celebrate Poe. My name is George Bartley, and this is episode 128, Despair and Die. I originally intended to call this episode Shakespeare's Dreams, but I hope by the end of the third dream from Richard III, I feel that you'll understand why I changed it to Despair and Die. First, I'd like to begin with those three dreams from Richard III. Uh, It's important to realize uh, that the dreams in Shakespeare's Richard III are not necessarily statements about the nature of dreams, unlike the dream poems of Edgar Allan Poe, but lines that further the action of the play. At the same time, uh, a modern audience would find the motif of the supernatural in Richard III to be well, really very strange, and would react to it quite differently than audiences during the Renaissance period. Individuals during Shakespeare's lifetime were extremely superstitious, and England as a whole was an extremely religious country. Audience members believed in both God and the devil and heaven and hell. They also believed in the supernatural, prophecies and curses, helping to make the events contained within Richard III quite real to an audience. The three main instances of dreams present in Richard foreshadow the forthcoming events in the play by showing similar characteristics between the dream itself and reality. For example, the first of these three dreams is in Act 1, Scene 4. The characters are Breckenberry, the constable of the Tower of London, and Clarence, a brother of Gloucester, later Richard III. Breckenberry is hired to get rid of Clarence, and in this scene, Clarence has dreams foreshadowing what, what will happen to him. Clarence is imprisoned in the Tower of London and dreams that he is fleeing with Richard to France, but on the ship, Richard stumbles and throws Clarence overboard, causing him to drown. You might say that uh, this dream foreshadows the near future because, in reality, Clarence is later stabbed and drowned in a barrel of wine by the executioners who are sent by Richard. But before we start, uh, I'll tell you, I really feel strange after after listening to the actors in the Indianapolis uh, production of Richard III, or Ricky III, deliver these lines. Uh, They're able to bring a power and intensity to these words that you really need to experience for yourself. In other words, that's just a fancy way of saying excuse my reading here. Now, Clarence begins his account of the first dream in the following section, and Breckenberry speaks first. Breckenberry says, Why looks your grace so heavily today? And Clarence explains that he's had a terrible dream, and Breckenberry asks, What was your dream? I long to hear you tell it. Hear, I long to hear you tell it. And Clarence answers, Methoughts I had broken from the tower, and I was embarked to cross to Burgundy, and in my company, my brother Gloucester, who from my cabin tempted me to walk upon the hatches. Thence we looked toward England, as we paced along upon the giddy footing of the hatches. Methought that Gloucester stumbled, and in falling struck me. That thought to stay him overboard into the tumbling billows, billows of the main. 
Lord, Lord, methought what pain it was to drown, what dreadful noise of waters in mine ears, what ugly sights of death within mine eyes. Methought I saw a thousand fearful wrecks, ten thousand men that fishes gnawed upon, wedges of gold, great anchors, heaps of pearl, inestimable stones, unvalued jewels, all scattered in the bottom of the sea. Some lay in dead men's skulls, and in those holes where eyes did once inhabit, there were crept, as twere, in scorn of eyes, reflecting gems, which wooed the slimy bottom of the deep, and mocked the dead bones that lay scattered by. And Breckenberry then asks him that, uh, Awakened you not with this sore agony? And Clarence replies, Oh no, my, my, my dream was, was lengthened after life. Oh, then began the tempest to my soul. Seize on him, furies, take him to your torments. With that, methoughts, a legion of foul fiends environed me about and howled in mine ears such hideous cries that with the very noise I trembled, waked, and for a season after could not believe that I was in hell so terrible impression made the dream. I'd call that a major nightmare. Well, the second dream takes place in Act 3, Scene 2. Here one of Richard's closest friends dreams that a boar rips off his head. The boar had raised his helm. In this scenario, the boar represents Richard because a boar is his symbol or herald. Richard's friend ends up dead, all because he trusted Richard. Richard will do anything to get by and, or to get ahead. But the lines in the dream end with the friend, even after the boar has ripped off his head, saying that the boar or Richard will use us kindly. First a messenger enters. And then he sends you word. He dreamt tonight the boar had raised his helm, Besides, he says, there are two councils held, and that may be determined at the one which may make you and him to rue at the other. Therefore, he sends to know your lordship's pleasure, if presently you will take horse with him, and with all speed post with him toward the north, to shun the danger that his soul divines. Hastings replies, Go, fellow, go, return unto thy Lord. Bid him not fear the separated counsels. His honor and myself are at the one, and at the other is my servant Catesby, where nothing can proceed that toucheth us, whereof I shall not have intelligence. Tell him his fears are shallow, wanting instance, and for his dreams I, I wonder he is so found to trust the mockery of unquiet slumbers, to fly the boar before the boar pursues, were to incense the boar to follow us, and make pursuit where he did mean no chase. Go, bid thy master rise and come to me, and we will both to the tower, where he shall see the boar will use us kindly." But the more or the most famous dream in Richard III is in Act 5, Scene 3. This dream occurs right before Richard and Richmond head out for battle. Here, Richard and Richmond are visited by a parade of 11 ghosts, 
all those people who Richard had killed in the past in his attempts to reach his goals. Those ghosts include Prince Edward, King Henry VI, Sixth, Clarence, Rivers, Grey, Vaughan, Hastings, the young princes, both of them, <laughs> Lady Anne and Buckingham. All the ghosts follow a particular pattern in the dream. They constantly curse Richard and discourage him by saying things like, despair and die. On the other hand, they praise and bless Richard and encourage him by saying things like, and this is Richmond, uh, he says things like, live and flourish. And they hope that he wins the battle and uh, ends Richard's reign. So this is a, a dream really full of foreboding, and sure enough, Richmond wins the battle by defeating Richmond and becomes the new king of England. And before we delve into what is a rather complex series of speeches with at least a dozen characters, note how often Shakespeare uses despair or die or variations on it in this section. I counted at least eight. Richmond speaks first. Now remember, Richmond is on the other side. Good lords, conduct him to his regiment. I'll strive with troubled thoughts to take a nap, lest leaden slumber please me down tomorrow. When I should mount with wings of victory, once more, good night, kind lords and gentlemen. And then exit all but Richmond. O thou whose captain I account myself, look on my forces with a gracious eye. Put in their hands thy bruising irons of wrath, that they may crush down with a heavy fall the usurping helmets of our adversaries. Make us thy ministers of chastisement, that we may praise thee in the victory. To thee I do commend my watchful soul, ere I let fall the windows of mine eyes, sleeping and waking. O oh, defend me still." Now, Richard III, he goes ahead and sleeps while enters the uh, ghost of Prince Edward, son to the king, Henry VI. The ghost of uh, Prince Edward to, says to King Richard III, Let me sit on thy soul tomorrow. Think how thou stabbest me in the prime of youth. A Tewkesbury despair, therefore, and die. And then he says to Richmond, Be cheerful, Richmond, for the wronged souls of butchered princes fight in thy behalf. King Henry's issue, Richmond confronts thee. Then enters the ghost of King Henry VI, ghost of Henry VI to King Richard III. When, when I was mortal, my anointed body by thee was punched full of deadly holes. Think on the tower and me, despair and die. Henry the Sixth bids thee despair and die. To Richmond, virtuous and holy be thou conqueror, Harry that prophesied thou shouldst be king, doth comfort thee in thy sleep, live and flourish. Then enter the ghost of Clarence. And the ghost of Clarence says to King Richard, let me sit heavy on thy soul tomorrow, I that was washed to death with fulsome wine. Poor Clarence, by thy guile betrayed to death, tomorrow in, in the battle think on me, and fall my edgeless sword, despair and die. 
Then he says to Richmond, Thou offspring of the house of Lancaster, the wronged heirs of York do pray for thee. Good angels, guard thy battle, live and flourish. Then enter the ghosts of Rivers, Gray, and Vaughan. And the ghost of Rivers says to King Richard III, Let me sit heavy on thy soul tomorrow. Rivers that died at Pomfret, despair and die. And the ghost of Gray says to King Richard III, Think upon Gray and let thy soul despair. And the ghost of Vaughan says to King Richard III, Think upon Vaughan and with guilty fear let fall thy lance, despair and die. And they all say to Richmond, Awake and think our wrongs in Richard's bosom. will conquer him. Awake and win the day. Then enters the ghost of Hastings. See, we're talking about a lot of people here. The ghost of Hastings says to King Richard III, Bloody and guilty, guiltily awake, and in a bloody battle in thy days, think on Lord Hastings, despair and die. And to Richmond he says, Quiet, untroubled soul, awake, awake, arm, fight, and conquer for fair England's sake. And then enter the ghosts of the two young princes. And the two young male princes say, uh, say to King Richard III, Dream on thy cousins smothered, smothered in the tower. Let us be led within thy bosom, Richard, and weigh thee down to ruin, shame and death. Thy nephew's souls bid thee despair and die. And they say to Richmond, Sleep, Richmond, sleep in peace and wake in joy. Good angels guard thee from thy from the boar's annoy. Live and beget a happy race of kings. Edward's unhappy sons do bid thee flourish. Then enter the ghost of Lady Anne. Now remember, these are all people that Richard has killed or had killed. And the ghost of Lady Anne says to King Richard III, Richard, thy wife, that wretched Anne thy wife, that never slept a quiet hour with thee, now fills thy sleep with perturbations. Tomorrow in the battle, think on me, and fall thy edgeless sword, despair and die. And to Richmond, she says, Thy quiet soul, sleep thou a quiet sleep. Dream of success and happy victory. Thy adversary's wife doth pray for thee. And now enter the ghost of Buckingham. The ghost of Buckingham says to King Richard III, The last was I that helped thee to thy crown. The last was I that felt thy tyranny. Oh, in the battle think on Buckingham, and die in terror of thy guiltiness. Dream on, dream on of bloody deeds and death, fainting, despairing, despairing, yield thy breath. And to Richmond he says, I died for hope ere I could lend thee aid, but cheer thy heart, and be thou not dismayed. God and good angel fight on Richmond's side, and Richard falls in height of all his pride. Then the ghosts vanish, and King Richard starts, in other words, wakes up from his dream. 
and I think this is a really moving speech where he says, give me another horse, bind up my wounds, have mercy, Yesu, soft, I did but dream, O coward conscience, how dost thou afflict me? The lights burn blue, it is dead midnight, cold, fearful drops stand on my trembling flesh. Who do I fear? Myself? There's none else by. Richard loves Richard. Th- that is, uh, I am I. I. Is there a murderer here? No. Yes, I, I am. Th- then fly. What-, what from myself? Great reason why, lest I revenge. What? Myself upon myself? Alack, I love myself. Wherefore? For, for any good? That I myself have done unto myself? Oh, no, alas, I rather hate myself for hateful deeds committed by myself. I am a villain, yet I lie. I am not full of thyself, speak well. Fool, do not flatter. My conscience hath a thousand several tongues, and every tongue brings in a several tale, and every tale condemns me for a villain. Perjury, perjury in the highest degree. All several sins, all used in each degree, throng to the bar, crying all, guilty, guilty. I shall despair. There is no creature loves me, and if I die, no soul shall pity me. Nay, wherever should they, since that I myself find in myself no pity to myself. Methought the souls of all that I had murdered came to my tent, and every one did threat tomorrow's vengeance on the head of Richard. This episode seems to be going on longer than I intended, but I wanted to end with a brief look at some of Shakespeare's most famous lines regarding dreams. In Hamlet, the leading character delivers many famous lines regarding dreams, including, There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Also from Hamlet, a dream itself is but a shadow, as well as the famous line, to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream, aye, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. The character of Puck concludes A Midsummer Night's Dream with, uh, with, if we shadows have offended, think but this and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear. All this week an idle theme, no more yielding but a dream. In The Tempest, Prospero says, we are all made of dreams and all our life stretches from sleep before birth to sleep after death. And also in The Tempest, Prospero utters what is perhaps the most famous dream quote of all time. We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Now, for future episodes, I I had been planning to look at Poe's work, A Dream Within a Dream, in terms of Christopher Nolan's masterpiece, Inception. 
But I realized that I had an episode on the actual interpreting of Richard III inside of me just bursting to get out. So I plan to sandwich in an extra episode about the actual interpreting at the Taggart called The Most Intense Experience of My Life. Tune in so I think this will make a lot more sense. I want to talk about the indescribable feeling of interpreting Ricky the Three and Ricky Three and the sensations of using great literature and physical movement to totally live in the moment. This episode, the, uh, the next episode, the most intense experience of my life is scheduled to drop this Thursday, August the 4th at midnight. Then Celebrate Poe will have several episodes dealing with some of Christopher Nolan's music, movies, excuse me, uh, movies, not music, uh, movies, and how they relate to Poe. The first Nolan-related episode is entitled, Is Inception a Dream Within a Dream? Then I plan to look at some of Nolan's other movies and their perception of fantasy versus reality. The episodes after that will go back to a slightly different look at Poe's all-important time at the University of Virginia. Now, sources for this episode include Richard III by William Shakespeare, Asimov's Guide to Shakespeare, A Guide to Understanding uh, the Works of Shakespeare uh, by Isaac Asimov, uh, The Invention of the Human by Harold Bloom, Shakespeare and How to Cure It by Ralph Allen Cohen, The Reader's Encyclopedia of Shakespeare by Oscar Campbell, Shakespeare's Words, a Glossary and Language Companion by David Crystal, Volumes 1 and 2 of Shakespeare Lexicon and Quotation Dictionary by Alexander Smith, Signing Shakespeare by George Bartley, and the Indianapolis Shakespeare website at www.indyshakes.com. Dot com. That's www.indyshakes.com. Thank you for listening to Celebrate Poe, a deep dive into the life, times, and works of America's Shakespeare, Edgar Allan Poe.